0: Most of you know that um, a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours, Mike Mango, year, year and a half or so ago, was called by the Holy Spirit to establish an Alcoholics Anonymous chapter here at our church. Um, and they meet on the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday at 6:30 here, and there's a in our education wing, which is that way where the kids just headed off to. Um, and you come in through the west door; that, that door is open for them. Um, and I think there's a possibility from what I've heard that they may be going to every week. It kind of depends on leadership, but um, I want you to be praying about that, by the way. But um, last week, some of you may know this too, that um, at Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, there's closed meetings and there's open meetings. Did you know that? Um, If the closed meetings are, and that's what it is most of the time, it's specifically for those who are alcoholics, But sometimes they have open meetings so that guests can come, and they do that for a variety of reasons, and I've had the privilege to come and be a part of a few of the AA meetings here at the church over the last year or so. And Tuesday night was one of those opportunities, and the reason why I um, went Tuesday night was because my friend, Mike Mango, who started this chapter, um, received his 10-year sobriety chip at that meeting. So let's give him a round of applause. He, uh, it's deserved. So, if you've never been to an AA meeting, when they all, every, at every meeting, whether it's a closed meeting or an open meeting, they will um, go through, they will recite the 12 steps of the of Alcoholics Anonymous, this 12-step 12, 12 program, and I'm always in awe of the wisdom that um, those 12 steps um, embody, um, especially the first three. I don't know if you know the first three or not, but the first one is... Um, The first step is to admit that you are powerless over um, your addiction to alcohol. Step number two is to admit that there is a higher power greater than yourself, who we as Christians know is Jesus. Amen. And step three is to surrender to that higher power, who is Jesus. And um, now you probably already knew that. That's that's, kind of... Common knowledge. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning that isn't as common knowledge. And that secret is this. Every single one of us, every single one of you could and would benefit from going through a 12-step program. Now, you're sitting back and say, what are you talking about? I'm not an alcoholic. Listen to me every human being that has ever lived has been in bondage to something. Something. Everybody has. That's called sin, by the way. And so what we do often as human beings is that we, we kind of set certain sins kind of aside to say, well, yeah, those are the big sins, right? Like alcoholism or drug abuse or... Uh, uh, pornography or gambling, you know, those, those big addictions, but, I'm, but I want you to hear what I'm about to say here. There are things that are just as destructive to our souls, other things that we oftentimes just kind of laugh at, <laughs> or give a wink and a nod to, um, like a number four meal at McDonald's. Anybody know what that is? quarter pounder of cheese. I am addicted to quarter pounders of cheese. I have a very hard time saying no to that. (laughs) Um, Others of us, our thing is um, shoes. Oh, got a little nervous laughter out of that one. (laughs) Others of us, it might be our phones. Anybody got their phone out right now? Social media. You know what I'm, you understand what I'm saying? everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got their thing that one day when you turn around, and all of a sudden you go, you know, I'm having a hard time saying no to that. I find myself doing that more and more often. And I, in, in fact, I feel trapped to that thing. I feel like I'm in bondage to it. Right now, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to every single one of you and you're. And he is identifying for you what your, one, what your thing is. You can probably have more than one thing, quite honestly. But I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would illumine every heart in this place. And all those people that are listening online, that you would illumine our hearts and that you would bring to the forefront of our consciousness that thing that we fear or suspect we may be in bondage to. Now, if you have been able to identify that one thing, your thing, I want you to hear something from me. You don't have to be in bondage. The, the 12-step program of AA tells you that, right? You don't have to be, there are steps that you need to go through in order to find the freedom from that bondage, but you don't have to be in bondage. And I'm going to tell you something that's even more important for you to hear today. It's not just the 12-step program of AA that says that you can be free. God's Word says you can be free. Amen? And that's what we're going to look at today. As we continue our journey, for those of you who are guests or visitors with us, we, um, this whole year we are on a journey through Paul's letters to the Corinthians. And today we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, by the way. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. To 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you didn't bring your Bibles, that's okay. we got tons of Bibles. If you're using the church Bible, you can found, find 1 Corinthians chapter 10 on page 1137 of your church Bibles. As you're looking that up, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a context so that you can better um, be prepared for the message that God has for you from our passage today. In some of the Bibles that you, are, that you may be reading, some of the translations that you may be using, you'll discover that there are, there are headings above certain passages that kind of gives you an overview of what you'll be reading about in a particular passage. And in the Bible that I was studying this week, I can't even remember which one it was, what translation it was, but it said that the, the heading for this passage this week was Paul's warning against idolatry. Now, um, I want to warn you not to always uh, accept those, those headings. Now, there's nothing wrong with them necessarily, but chances are there's more going on in that passage than what the heading says, and this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. In essence, when you boil down, in my opinion, when you boil down what's happening in this passage, this first part of, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's not so much about Idolatry or worshiping of idols, as it is about a warning to the Corinthians about how easy it is to go along with the crowd, about how easy it is to conform to the culture, to be politically correct. Because, in fact, sometimes you may, you may, it may feel like the pressure to, to go along with the culture, to, to follow the prevailing cultural winds, it may feel so pervasive to you that you may feel as though you don't have any choice. You know, you just get along, you go along to get along, right? You ever heard that? That's what, that and then, if you, by some stretch of the imagination, find enough backbone to stand up against the prevailing winds of the culture... They'll call you names, right? They'll call you intolerant and, and uh, old-fashioned and repressed and all kinds of other not-so-nice names. You know what I mean, right? It was into that kind of culture that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way, and it's always important to remember that, that these aren't just words on a page. These are words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, not just for the people of Corinth, but for the people of PBC. It's into that culture, which is a culture just like ours, by the way. Your thing may not be idol worship, but, and like I said, it would be very easy for you to kind of look at this passage and think, it's, this doesn't affect me, this isn't about me, but it is about you. Because we live in a culture that has that kind of pressure. To In, in Corinth 2,000 years ago, the pressure was to worship idols. The, the cultural pressure in America today is different, but it's just as real. It's into that culture that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says this. He says, no temptation has seized you, and I'm going to quote, what I'm going to quote is a little different than what you're going to see on the screen, but that's okay. It's the same, it's the same meaning. He says, no temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to man, but take heart, for God is faithful. He was saying, remember, he was specifically talking about the temptation to worship idols, but... Remember what I'm saying here. Remember what God's intention is here. This is about any of the temptations that you might feel that are holding, aspiring to hold you in bondage. No temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to man. But take heart, for God is faithful. For God will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can handle. And when you are tempted, He will give you the power to stand up against it. Now, oftentimes when we when we go through a passage of Scripture, um, it feels kind of overwhelming, and it sounds like a lot of stuff. And if you're like me, sometimes when I read scripture, uh, I kind of get lost in the sentence structure. or just I use language that I don't really uh, get my arms around, and it's, I just kind of zip on by sometimes. It's just easier to zip on by than it is to really dig in, but we're going to dig into this one today. No temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to man, but take heart, for God is faithful, for he shall not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can handle. And when you are tempted, he'll give you the power to stand up against it. What exactly is he talking about? Let's break it down. What is the first thing that we might learn from this passage, from this, the beginning of this passage? Well, I'll tell you. The first thing that you need to learn from the beginning of the, this passage is you need to stop Making excuses. Pastor, that didn't say it. I didn't read, I didn't read either. That what does it say that up there? It does. <laughs> Stop making excuses. The temptation that you're feeling, that you're wrestling with, that's holding you in bondage today. There's nothing new under the sun. Everybody faces temptation. Your temptation may be different than my temptation, but there is no temptation that is overtaking you beyond that which is God. Everybody has it. You say, "Well, you know, you just don't." They, people fifteen years ago don't understand how pervasive and, and and easy access it is to pornography because they didn't have to worry about the the internet fifteen years ago. And it's, uh, listen to me, as someone who lived fifteen years ago, that temptation was still there, whether the internet was there or not. Somebody say, "Amen." Yeah. Yeah. 25 years ago, there was, uh, years ago, there was no such thing as crystal meth. But I'll guarantee you, there were other things that were tempting people. 50 years ago, um, nobody would have had a clue what it means to waste an entire weekend streaming uh, uh, a TV series on television. And talk about destructive to your soul. I've done that before, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying, though, right? They're, stop making excuses. Well, they, they, you just don't understand. There's no temptation that is overtaking you. That's not common to man. Everybody gets it. Everybody knows what it feels like to be tempted and to feel like you're in bondage to that temptation, like I can't say no. Everybody gets that. To one degree or another, everybody gets that. And here's the good news. The good news is that God says right here, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can handle. Then why can't I handle it? i tell you why. It's because we interpret that passage of scripture as saying, if if only I will pray more, I will have, I'll be able to stand up against this temptation. Is that what praying more is a good thing? Don't anybody say I'm not saying this, but is that what that says? Is that is that what this Bible says that you need to do in order to have the power to stand up against temptation? Yes or no? Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Good thing. I want you to pray more, but that's not what it says. Um. does it say if only you read your Bible more you'll have the power to stand up against temptation is that what it says no that's a good thing I want you to be reading your Bibles more God wants you to be re- reading your Bibles more that's not what it says does it say look real close this time you just need to hear another really good message from your pastor laughter Thank you, brother. That's <laughs> not what it says. What's it say? Where does the power come from? From you? From you doing more stuff? Is that what it says? Where does the power come from? Anybody? From God. It comes from Jesus. This isn't rocket science. Sometimes we try to make it into rocket science, but it's not. Simple, authentic Jesus. Now, in the midst of all this, you will find the the greatest deception that the devil has against you as a Christian. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a Christian. In this whole discussion is the devil whispering into your ear a lie. And the lie is, you know, if you were just a little bit more holy, you wouldn't have those problems, Dave. If you would just spend a little more time in prayer, Jen, you wouldn't have these problems. What the devil wants more than anything else is for you to fix your attention on you. And believe that it's about you. And when you buy the lie that it's about you, if only I was a little more holy, if only I read my Bible more, or prayed more, or whatever it is that we think we can do to make us more Able to stand up against these temptations the hold us if all if we buy into that lie, if you buy into that lie, two very destructive things will happen to you or could happen to you. First one is this self righteousness. You will be tempted if you buy into the lie that, well, if I'm just this and this and this, you will be tempted to become self righteous because if by chance you happen to gain some control over your sinful nature, over the bondage of your temptations, you'll be able to look down your nose at all those people who haven't been able to gain some control, and you can say, well, at least compared to Courtney, I'm pretty good. Right? Here's the problem with that. God doesn't grade on the curve. You understand what I'm saying? You know, God doesn't line us up and say, okay, well, here's, here, these, are, if we're, these are the more holy ones, and these are the ones that are not quite so holy. I didn't mean to put all of you on that side. <laughs> God doesn't do that. God, you know what God's requirement is? Perfection. That's what the Bible says. He requires you to be perfect, which, by the way, leads to the second destructive Deception. At one hand, you have self-righteousness. On the other hand, we have self-condemnation. You see, if you're, if you're truthful with yourself, you realize I'm, I'm a mess. I'm broken. And I can't be perfect. So why even try? Right? Oh, he he would love for you in your in your um, um, holiness to to embrace your your total depravity and then conclude by saying, "So why even try?" He would love that. But you see, the whole thing is a lie. Do you understand what I'm saying? the whole The whole conversation we just had is a lie. That is not the. The reality that God is providing to us. The truth is this the truth is that you are helpless, you are broken, you are powerless. And you need to confess that to yourself. You need to admit that and then submit to the one who is powerful. You need to admit that you are powerless. And submit to the one who is powerful, Jesus. And because when you admit that you are powerless, that you can't do this, but he can, in those times when you gain victory over the bondage that you find yourself in, in those moments, instead of going, man, I'm doing great, you'll say, glory to God for the work that he's doing in me, right? Because it's not about you, it's about what he's doing in you. That's awesome. And if by chance you happen to fail and you will, why? Because you're a human being and because you're sinful. In those moments, you can embrace the forgiveness that he's offering instead of the condemnation that the devil is trying to lay on you. Submit to the fact that you are powerless and then submit to the one who is powerful and you will be free. That doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, once you made that decision, that from this, you'll never make another mistake. It's not what that means. It means that you have hope. That freedom belongs to you. Not because of you, not because you're holy and all that, but because he is, right? It's not about you, it's about him. And when you make it about him, it becomes about you. You're free.